What's wrong with you people? How do y'all feel this morning? Why do you always make me define what you meant? Welcome to the Reformatory, a podcast where we pontificate about all things theological, social, and ecumenical in a socially distanced way. My name is Jan Cora. I'm a pastor at King's Cross Church in Kirkland, Washington. And I am Josh Loftus, member at said King's Cross Church in Kirkland, Washington. And bro, Daniel, my friend. Bro, we got to get more creative with your with your intro, dude. Well, you... you like it's hard to keep up with what you do like big 50 cent words like that's true you, you, you're the, you're the anchor you stabilize us i stay i bring us back to center i bring that's us back fair. to where i'm not that smart daniel oh, uh D- daniel happy uh happy blueberry pie day nasty yeah i'm not a big fan of that is there another option national superhero day Dude, dude, way better. Okay. All right. I wasn't sure. I, I took a I took a risk on the blueberry. Wasn't sure where you That's landed fine. on that. But okay, we'll go with happy superhero day. Defining question. Yes. DC or Marvel? Uh DC. No question. All whatsoever. the way. All the way. Yeah. All the way. Better characters, better storylines. It's darker. It's grittier. The comics are better. And they don't have mm-hmm. Captain Marvel. So But they have Thor. Yeah, Thor is pretty awesome. If I could, if I could take any superhero from Marvel and bring them over to DC, it would be, be Thor. Thor. Be Who Thor. would you kick off the DC team? And um, oh boy, that's hard. Um, if I could kick anybody off the DC team, is the Green Lantern over on the DC team? He is. Green He's Lantern, kick, get rid of him. What? You're not a Green Lantern, dude. Green Lantern's dope, dude. He's he's stupid. so good. Okay, get over I, there, the spider I would, guy. You know what? As much, yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty bad. I would probably kick out, uh, like, like one, one of the, one of the like kids, like Aqualad. Let's get Aqualad out of here. I got my Aquaman, I got Jason Momoa. I don't need Aqualad. Aqualad's gone. Give me Thor in DC. Repubescent. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's it's about it. That's 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 right. But Danny, if so, you could so have question, yes, question: okay. Which yeah. of the Marvel movies is the worst? Um, I'm torn between two. Okay. One of them's going to be obvious. The other one's going to make me some enemies. Uh, Captain Marvel was pretty bad, and I'm not just saying that because I didn't like Brie Larson, which I didn't. I just thought it was it was a bad movie. It wasn't complimentarian enough for you yeah i knew you were gonna go there it has nothing <laughs> to do with that it has nothing to do with that sure, i just find her sure. incredibly annoying and not that great an actress. A woman she was me. she was one dimension the entire time like there was no character development whatsoever with <laughs> captain marvel okay compare compare the story nerdy. compare the yes compare the origin story of captain marvel with any of the other superheroes in marvel iron man captain america thor her development was one dimensional the entire way. All the others are way more interesting. So who's the other, what's the other bad movie? Civil War. 
I can't stand Civil War because Dude, I will, how is I will it not you, like Thor Dark World? I will watch Dark World over Civil War, even though yes, Thor Dark World is the least good what? of the Thor trilogy. Uh, Ragnarok being the first, Thor one being the second. Um, dude, Civil War, I can't stand the whole relationship between Captain America. It's the Hobbit. And you. You're like, guys, Bucky. just be friends. Just no, be friends. I can't. No, 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 no. The Captain America Iron Man thing was fine. By the way, Team Iron Man all the way. It's the whole Captain America and Bucky thing. He's like, he's going to this bromance. Dude, drives me insane. Yes. He throws everything away for this one person. Like, I just I can't leave Bucky. It's like everything you do is for this one dude. You just you just won me over. I'm with you. I can't, I can't the whole like Bucky. Yes, I know. I'm with you. I know. I know. How about you, man? What's 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 the worst Marvel movie? Am I allowed to go back to the Toby, what's his name? You're gonna Original take Spider Man, like Sam Raimi. <laughs> you're gonna do Spider Man three, like him dancing. Yes, down the road? where he's emo. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. worst ever. <laughs> I don't think that's death. That's technically not in the. Uh, it's not no, the cinematic so universe. I'll go. I'll go Marvel. Thor: Dark World. And actually, I'm with you on the uh, Captain Marvel. I wasn't hip on it. If you could have any superhero powers, who are you taking? Like powers, or just like be that person? Because if it's be that person, it'd be Thor all the way. Okay. Yeah, you can go Thor. There you go. How about you? I, oh, dude, I'm going Batman. Seven days, be rich? seven days a week and twice on Sunday. Yeah. It's superhero power. I'm rich. I'm rich, and I have a really smart brain and cool cars. Yeah, I'll take Batman. You just want the servant. <laughs> That's all you want. Like, he has someone who <laughs> is serving I him. I want Alfred, dude. Like, who doesn't want? I want the Michael Caine version of Alfred. Dude, just that's all you with want. me all the time. <laughs> just, I would, I would love it. I would love it. Oh, Daniel, what are we talking about today, man? Yeah, talking about biblical counseling. Helping biblical counseling. Change. Right, right. So biblical counseling, or otherwise known as uh, neuthetic counseling, um, it's that branch of counseling that is biblical in that the source of the counseling is scripture and scripture alone. Um, Why do they call it newthetic? Like, so uh, newthetic, that sounds like synthetic, but newer. <laughs> so newthetic comes from a Greek word to encourage, admonish, or confront. Uh, it basically means that, that, that what, when we look into scripture, we are using scripture and, and the scripture alone, the authority of scripture as the backing, as the, the authority, as the source of our counseling. It is to uh-huh. encourage, equip, and to confront whatever it is that we are dealing with from scripture and scripture alone. It's always important to define terms. It's always important to lay a foundation, a theological foundation when you're talking about things of this nature. We did it with Calvinism. We did it with the solas. And I think we'd be remiss to, to lay some foundation um, if we didn't lay some foundation even for this topic. So mm-hmm. I think what's important um, to remember when we're talking about the topic of biblical counseling and how we engage in people's issues, engage with people's problems biblically, we can't forget some of the foundation that you and I have already laid on this podcast, or at least we tried to lay. We tried to lay. <laughs> um, one being the depravity of man, total depravity, and the sufficiency of scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, can you think of any others that you want to 
you want to hammer out? Because I think in, in my mind, those are really two of the most important doctrines to remember when talking about counseling and how to help people. Uh, yeah, I mean, those are the big ones. So if you think of counseling as helping people change or grow or um, within the way that we would talk about it from a like biblical theological word to be sanctification. Mm-hmm. So growth in Christ likeness, um, our doctrine of what we believe to be true of man is going to be vital. So what is, what is man that we're trying to um, conform him more into Christ's image? So he's a person who's made in the Imago Dei. He's made in God's image. That image has been marred, but not lost. And he is totally depraved, which means that uh, every aspect of his being is stained and marred by sin. Doesn't mean he's as, you know, mass murdering as he can be, but it means that his mind, his will, his affections are all deeply stained Mm -hmm. by uh, sin. And that that changes the way that he thinks, feels, and wills. And then the source of his help. So what is what is it that can transform him? And so it's going to flow out of our view of the scripture. And it's also tied with our view of the spirit. So the spirit of God empowering and applying the word of God to the life of a person. That right. that has transformative power. And the, those are the, the big ones. There are other aspects that comes in our view of grace, our view of forgiveness, and all those mm-hmm. things come in. Sure. But the big ones are what is man? He's a totally depraved person. Um, creature that was made in God's image mm-hmm. and what is the source of truth and help? Well, that's the the word of God empowered by the spirit of God. Right. Right. So as we're talking about this, we really want to make sure that that is the lens in which we are looking and interacting with the wow. concept of biblical counseling is that we are not abandoning the truth of sola scriptura. If you listened to us for a while, you know, when we covered that, uh, the word of God is authoritative, it's inerrant, and it's sufficient, meaning that it is completely capable of handling anything that is thrown at it, basically. It is able to be applied perfectly to our lives through the work of the Holy Spirit. We need to understand that this, we, we can't check those truths out at the door Yeah, when we begin to talk about real issues that people go through. Mm-hmm. We can't allow our theology simply to be academic. Our theology must have a practical aspect, a practical implication. Our orthodoxy must affect our orthopraxy in order to show that we actually believe it. So we're going to be looking at biblical counseling and other forms of counseling as well through the lens of the truths that we know from Scripture that we aren't going to throw away. So with that being said, um, I would also caveat that, yes, this is a topic that is highly debated. It is not our intention to be mean. It's not our intention to frustrate anyone, but we have the conviction. You want to frustrate people? Well, <laughs> I would say that's not my goal. It's going to happen. Yeah, okay, that's fair. <laughs> it's not my goal. Um, this is a highly divisive topic, but Daniel and I, it is our conviction that the word of God is sufficient to deal with all matters of life, uh, holiness, salvation, and, and it is our goal to show you, our listener, that the word of God that you have is sufficient to handle the problems that you come across. Now, are we talking all problems, Daniel? 
every no. single problem that we could no. ever face. No. Okay. Where Toilet do we draw the line? Shortage. Yeah, the Bible's not gonna unless you have one of the message Bibles. No, that could help. No, don't even that go could there. help. No, no, no. <laughs> that would help. <laughs> You're terrible. So if I so, have a broken leg, um, go see a doctor. Go see a doctor. Right? Daniel and I are not anti doctors. We're not anti science, no. which is what no. you get a lot, ironically. <laughs> right. Um, we're going yeah, it's sadly true yeah it is it is sadly true um we're talking about issues of the heart issues of mm-hmm. the soul issues of the mind um and we will and do make a clear distinction between physiological issues and psychological issues yeah. or emotional issues you have to so what do you do with like some so the objection that's leveled a lot is like well if you if if your issues are physical you know you've got a broken leg or you've got diabetes or something like that yeah. go see a doctor if you have issues of the soul, go see a pastor. Mm-hmm. If you have issues of the mind, go see a psychologist, psychiatrist, psychotherapist. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, I agree with the first one. If your issues are physical, go see a doctor. <laughs> Please go see a doctor. <laughs> Please go see a doctor. Uh, if you have a broken leg, if you have a migraine, don't hit somebody over the head with your study Bible, expecting the migraine to go away. Uh, mm. We aren't Kenneth Copeland. We aren't Benny Hinn. We're not into faith healing. That's not how it works. Um, now when it comes to the issues of the soul and mind, I have a problem when people separate them. Um, I think there are physical issues and then there are spiritual, emotional issues. Um, and when I say physical issues, I do believe that there are some mental issues that fall under that, meaning Mm -hmm. there is something physiologically wrong, uh, with the brain. Um, but in issues that have to do with the, the emotions, the soul, the mind, uh, I don't think those are separated. I believe that the word of God is perfectly capable and sufficient to handle, to comfort and to uh, confront when necessary and to bring healing to those things. So we have the inerrant word of God in front of us. And I don't think that a doctor is going to be able to bring healing to the soul or hearing healing to the mind better than the author of scripture. Mm -hmm. And that's a hard thing to say, but, but it is true. Um, We need to not draw lines when it comes to the sufficiency of scripture in our head. Uh, We need to be much more diligent to apply the sufficiency of scripture, perhaps broader than we actually do and to not draw those distinctive lines. So I would have a problem with people drawing those lines between yeah. the soul and, and, and between the mind. Yeah. 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 I, I think that they, to, uh, to tell those who want to apply the word of God to you, whether it's a pastor or just a faithful Christian who knows the Bible mm. to tell them that you're, you're not, you, you are not allowed to speak into my depression, into my anxiety, to my abusive, patterns to my addictions to my and to say that all of those are non-spiritual and are simply psychological or of the mind i think is um it's very very dangerous and uh it's dangerous for a number of reasons it's dangerous one because i think uh, biblically speaking it's wrong mm-hmm. but often what it does is it misdiagnoses the root of the problem and therefore its prescriptions are also wrong Right. And so yep. 
the net result of that often isn't change. It's just how to cope with what you are and who, what you are like, or how to level out some of the, the playing field. But the other aspect is that um, it can just simply be behavior modification rather than true, deeply seated life change. Yeah. Yeah. So when you start dealing with the issues of, you know, take, take something like depression, take something like anxiety, which most of us are very familiar with. We all experience that sometime in our lives, some more than others. Mm -hmm. Um, To simply call that a mental disorder Mm -hmm. and leave it at that, I think does much harm to the individual. Um, Can. It can. Yeah. And like you said, Daniel, an incorrect prognosis will always lead to an incorrect prescription. Always. If you diagnose the problem incorrectly, you're not going to be applying a correct prescription to that problem. So someone comes in with depression, someone comes in with anxiety. Uh, The biblical counselor will look at that anxiety and not, and, and that depression, not as the problem itself. And that's where it differs. That's where biblical counseling differs from regular psychological counseling and integration, which is a mix of, you know, Christian counseling, classically known as Christian counseling. Mm -hmm. Um, Spoiler for people out there. Christian counseling does not mean biblical counseling. It's, it's sad to me. We have to make that distinction, but if someone says they are a Christian counselor, uh, you have to do a little bit more digging into actually what that means. Some people think Christian counseling is just, Oh, it means that you're a Christian and you counsel. Uh-huh. that's not exactly what it means. It means that you, it is, it is Freudianistic psychology with Bible sprinkled in. And again, that's hard, but that, that is what it is. So what integration and what psychology will look at, they will look at the anxiety and they will look at the depression as the problem itself. Let's do what we can to take care of the depression. Let's make you not depressed. Let's make you not anxious. And what happens often is you get a lot of, like you said, Daniel, a lot of behavior modification, medication comes in to play a lot with that. And the goal is to get rid of the anxiety, get rid of the depression. That's the goal of the counseling. Mm. Whereas biblical counseling, Again, going off of our lens, what we know about what we know about man, what we know about scriptures, we see the anxiety or the depression as a symptom of a greater problem. You're, as your body's basically your body's waving a red flag, saying there's something wrong here, uh-huh. and that causes us then to dig deeper, go under the surface of the problem to see what is causing the issue. And that's what biblical counseling does. That's what the scripture does is it gets Uh to the heart of the man. It gets to the heart of the woman. It gets to the heart of the issue to identify, okay, what is causing the problem? Sometimes Uh it's sin. Sometimes it's not. And it, but, but what the word of God does is it doesn't just stop at the surface level. If Uh it gets rid of the depression, that's not, that's not the goal. That's, Uh that is a, fantastic byproduct of the goal which is ultimately to get the individual into a closer and more beneficial relationship with jesus christ through the gospel and through the scriptures Mm. and and it's one of our you said it addresses the heart uh which is the reason why we would reject the systems of psychology and psychotherapy um they have they start off with a flawed view of man 
and therefore a flawed view of what the actual issue is. So they're, they're varying forms of depending on the system. They're going to say that the problem is not that man is a sinful fallen creature whose heart is a factory of idols who perpetually rebels against his creator God and chases and tries to fit or try, tries to receive from idols what only God can give. And then all of the problems that ensue from idolatry. What they're going to say is that the issue is environmental. Like, so you were, you were raised in a house like this. You, uh, you're in a job, you're in a toxic work environment. You're in, so the problem they would say is often external, the things around you. So the key to moving forward is to change that or just cope with it. I, I don't know how you change the way you were raised. Like you can't go back in time and fix that. But no. um, well, they think yeah. that the problem is, is circumstantial, that the problem <laughs> is outside of me. Right. Or there's even a, another sense where they would say it's physiological, uh, purely. So it's a chemical imbalance. It's, it, it, it's something outside of my control, although they do try to control that with some um, medications and things like that. But they're, in our view, they're barking up the wrong tree. Um, we would say that the, the issue is man has fallen and sinful. Now, does that rule out those other things? No, it doesn't. We would say that those are occasions for sin but not causes of sin. So like, let's take uh, financial stress in a marriage and you're, you're fighting. So you come in and you're presenting a, you know, our issue is that we fight all the time. Oh, okay. Let's dig around with that. Mm-hmm. What do you fight about? Well, finances. And so the, the thought is, well, if we fix finances, <laughs> we fix the problem. Like, right. No, that's the occasion over which you're fighting, but it's not the cause of your sin. The cause of your sin, James says, is you have uh, wrongful desires in your heart and you chase them down and that's the root of the issues. Yeah. So we're, we're saying the, the, the problem of sin in our life is found in the heart. Now, we can nuance that down the road, but essentially that's what we're going to be addressing is sin. Whereas uh, the other systems are going to say that the issue is circumstantial or environmental or, or it, the issue is out there to right. some degree rather than in my heart. Right. And like you said, it may be that you are um, harboring sin. Mm-hmm. It may not be. And no. so the counseling might be, you are in a season of suffering that really is beyond your control. Here's biblically how we're going to walk you through dealing with difficulty that the Lord sends your way. Right. So it, it's not, I, I, the other thing people hear is that when you go see a biblical counselor, they're always going to be like, you have hidden sin. I can't figure it right, out. Right. And it's somewhere. And, and, and to be fair, there are some biblical counselors that counsel that way. Sure. And it is, and it is wrong. It's not, it's not right. Um, mm-hmm. Sin is often the reason for, uh, for issues in our lives for sure. But it does not mean that it is always 100% that. And the no. biblical counselor, the wise biblical counselor, is evaluating every situation individualistically through the lens of scripture. Mm-hmm. Like you said, digging down, seeing what's going on. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's not like, maybe it's just, there's some very, maybe it's a job issue. There's some bad circumstances yeah. that are going on and people need to be comforted through scripture. Maybe it is sin. 
Maybe they are struggling with depression and anxiety because there's unconfessed sin in their life that needs to be rooted out, repented of, and f- let forgiveness happen. Sure. Right? Um, unfor- or a love of control. Or, or a love of control or pride, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, a desire to have one's own way over the way of God, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of, a lot of different avenues that issues can stem from mm-hmm. and what makes biblical counseling, I believe, the best way to deal with those is that there's nothing that's going to reveal the issues or the idols or the the hurts, desires of the heart better than scripture. Mm-hmm. Nothing is more equipped no. to do that. And um, it's not like a one, I think a lot of times when people think of biblical counseling, they think it's like a kind of a one size fits all approach. Oh, no. Yeah. If no. There's a, a young lady, uh, let's say a, t- a teenage young lady who's really struggling with like, uh, depression mm-hmm. it very well could be just for argument's sake a issue of where is she finding her value and worth mm-hmm. and her identity and so a biblical approach would be to point her to who she is in christ what god has in christ and the gospel accomplished for her so her value and worth is not found in the attention of young men yeah. or in her physical appearance, but it's found anchored in Christ. And that, and that would be the route to addressing those issues in her life. Mm-hmm. If you have a 65-year-old lady sitting in front of you uh, who has dealt with chronic illness, like microfibromyalgia or something like that, sure. um, very different. Very I can't different fix cases. the physical issues, but prolonged suffering over time can be really discouraging. Mm-hmm. And so you would, you would point her to hope, you would point her to um, biblical truths that she can treasure in those difficult moments. Yeah. And so the, it's not a one size fits all. I don't no. want, I think a lot of people think we just come in, we thump you in the head with the Bible and hope it magically fixes something. No, um, no. Or it would that, be very wrong of you to say to that 65 year old lady, okay, you're in a lot of pain. Uh, what haven't you uh, repented of? Yeah. Is there sin going on? And right. Maybe there is. I have no idea. Maybe. But likely it's just, I'm tired of suffering. I'm tired yeah. of hurting. <laughs> yeah, right. And so um, it's also not strictly like just law-based. No. Uh, there's no. a video that goes around it where we joke uh, that counseling is, biblical counseling is that you come in and we just say, like, just stop it. And that, like, <laughs> and we think that'll fix it. Right. I think the best biblical counselor, like, yes, they use the law to expose, but our ultimate goal is to drive you to the grace that is found in Christ Right. And his uh, the transforming power of his grace to to change us like that's ultimately where we want each individual that comes and sits down for counseling to wind up at is at the feet of Christ as revealed in His Word, yeah. And His grace, which is free, to transform them. It's not to just beat them with the law and say like, right. stop being so terrible at life. Right. Um, no, we, we can say, hey, you know, being verbally abusive is sin. There's the law. Right. And now let's let let's show you grace and trans and, and work on transforming you more into the image. So I, I don't want people to think it's one size fits all or just a um a you know a verbal lashing or anything like that. It's no, no. It's it is complex and it is uh, deeply rooted in the in the belief that God has provided all that we need for life and godliness, like his word says. Yeah. And that we can address these issues because it's not just 
the, the, the Bible as a list of rules and facts. It's the word of God empowered by the spirit of God changing us. Right. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And, and it's because of that, that, that we need to remember biblical counselors need to remember and anybody that is at all engaging in any type of exhortation or encouragement from scripture, right? There are no super counselors out there. Just because someone has the job title of a biblical counselor does not mean that they are any more equipped to deal with the problems than any other Christian. What equips the biblical counselor is the Holy Spirit through the sufficiency of scripture. That is what makes the biblical counseling effective. It's not the prowess or the education or the effectiveness or the fluency of the counselor. Because we are no different than the individual sitting on the other side of our desk or sitting in our living room or at our dining table. By the grace of God, there go we. We are simply beggars showing other beggars where to find bread. So we need to understand that this power, this transform, this trans, transformating power. Transformative. Thank you. Transforming. Transforming. I combined the two. Did you see what I did yeah. there? I created a new word. That was pretty good. This transforming <laughs> power is found in Scripture through the Holy Spirit. So with that being said, we must understand that all good biblical counseling, if you want to be a good biblical counselor, if you want it to be effective, it must be evangelical first. Because the truths that we are going to be giving through scripture must have the Holy Spirit there in order to interpret and apply. I think you need a, the, what do you mean by evangelical? That's a, that's a word that's got a lot of baggage to it. Yep. Meaning that you need to make sure that the people that you are counseling understand and believe in the gospel. Oh, there you go. Gospel based. Gospel based. Yeah. Right. So yes, when we say evangelical, meaning evangelism, sharing the gospel, sharing the truth of Christ, because the Holy Spirit must be there. It must be present in order for scripture to be applied in order for change to happen. If it's not, and this is why you need to be honest with your counselees. You need to be honest with them. Like, I am here to show you Christ. If you do not believe in Christ, if you don't have salvation through Christ and Christ alone, everything that I'm going to tell you here is going to be very, very difficult to actually bring about change (laughs) because you don't have the change agent. Yeah. Yeah. They need to be, it, it, it is. And again, that might sound harsh. Uh, it's, it's not, it's, pointing them to the one who can raise the spiritual dead and transform us more into his likeness and image. So trying to get someone to experience true, genuine, transformative change. And by change, what we mean is Christ-likeness. Right. Christ-likeness. True Christ-likeness. Yes. That's what we're driving. So it, it may sound you know, like, oh, you just beat people over the head with the gospel? I, no, I lovingly direct them to Jesus. Um, <laughs> I'd prefer you not call it beating anyone over the head by telling them, like, you, you need to repent and turn to Jesus Christ and he can save yeah. you. Well, and, and that is one of the main premises of biblical counseling is that if I have an issue, if there's something going on with me, it is stemming from my sinful, depraved heart. Uh-huh. That's where it's coming from. The antidote to yeah. that 
or 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 you know and if it's not sin it's coming it's just coming from sin it's coming from the fall it's coming from the yeah. consequences it's of that life in a right? fallen world it's life in a fallen world the antidote of that is the person of jesus christ he his likeness the transforming power of the gospel is the antidote for that so mm-hmm. we need to make sure that we are pointing our counselees throughout the entirety and it's not not even if you're a biblical counselor you if you have a friend that's struggling your job as a Christian is to point them to Jesus Christ where true and lasting, lasting change happens. Because uh-huh. sadly, and again, this, I'm not, I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just, I'm sharing a truth based on what I've seen the past 20 years of these individuals that are in the secular counseling world that have gone through the programs, have gone through all of the steps, have spent thousands upon thousands and thousands of dollars on treatment. What it has resulted in is simply a behavior modification and an idol being replaced for another idol. Because ultimately we all worship something. It's either going to be ourselves, what we want, or it's going to be God. If we do not have the gospel and we are not pointing our worship and our affections toward Christ, the issues that pop up are going to create and be stemmed from our idols, and we need something else to direct our worship toward that has to be there. And behavior modification is simply just going to be, yes, we got you, you know, not hitting your wife anymore. That's a good thing, but we're going to be trading that to another outlet. It's, it's just naturally going to happen. If Christ isn't there, we are going to swap out one desire for the other. Uh-huh. And ultimately, it leaves people hopeless, and uh-huh. it leaves people even deeper than they are because they don't have Christ. Uh-huh. Yeah, a Christless salvation is a um, really dangerous place to put someone into if we could clean up their whole life and never having pointed them to Christ and, and they've just found ways to cover over those, those things in their life that were pointing to their own brokenness and their own need for a savior. And we've just covered that over without directing them to the savior Mm -hmm. actually puts them in a very, very dangerous and worse off position where they, Mm -hmm. they now don't feel their need for Christ. Um, And that's a, that's a scary place to put them. So that that's kind of, you know, in a nutshell, the the scope of what we're trying to accomplish in biblical counseling is to um, address real heart issues with the word that we believe to be sufficient and addressing the the actual root causes not just the not just the fruit the actions that flow out of it um, but actually trying to get to the root issue and that's often what not what people want to happen I mean no. If you're fighting over finances, you just want you what you want is you want the fruit gone. I don't want to fight anymore. This is making me unhappy. Right. And if you get to the heart of it, you're like, well, let's say that's two two Christian people in front of you. Um there may be some some uh trust issues with the Lord's provision going on that are Mm -hmm. hard to stare in the face. Yep. There may be um love of money going on mm-hmm. there may be a lack of trust in one another there, there's a lot of things that could be going on and we we want to 
dig into those and address those with grace. Yeah. Um, but if someone's not willing to, to go there, it, uh, it makes counseling really not a possibility. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, it makes yeah. Counseling hard. <laughs> yeah, if you're not willing to, 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 to admit at the beginning, I'm a broken person in the needs of God's grace and I yeah. need to change. I'm not perfect yet. Right. If you're not willing to start there, it's, it's, it's rough. Yeah. Yeah. No, biblical counseling, well, good biblical counseling is very intrusive and it's meant to be because the gospel is intrusive and it's meant to be. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if we're going to be changed individuals, if we are going to actually believe in this, uh, this process called sanctification, the process of becoming more like Christ, then something needs to be put to death. <laughs> Our yeah. flesh needs to be removed in order for Christ to take over that spot. And that's what biblical counseling does. We aren't interested in simply putting Band-Aids on cancer. We don't no. want to just cover it over and, okay, look, you're not depressed anymore because we gave you, you know, this medication and this medication and you practice meditation three times a day. Boom, you're not, you're not depressed anymore. Problem solved. No, I'm sorry. It's yeah. not. The symptoms are gone. But the thing that was causing the issue is still there. And the only thing that's going to fix that, the only thing that's going to properly identify that is the word of God. Uh -huh. And that's ultimately what biblical counseling is about. That's why, that's why we think it's the best practice when it comes to uh, dealing with people and the problems that they face. Absolutely. Yep. So, Good introduction. Yeah, I feel like we're going to probably have at least one more part on this. Um, Daniel's giving me the eyebrows. I want three parts, but I might, I, I'm really going to try to. Uh, you told me on Marco that you would, you would jump at the chance at five. Well, yeah, of course. I, I mean, this entire podcast could easily become a biblical counseling podcast because uh, we, we both like, you know, fun fact, Daniel and I met at a biblical counseling conference. And Josh hated me. Hate strong. I just thought you didn't like me. You were really standoffish. Yeah. Like we like introduced, I maybe it was just the introverted side of you. I'm not an introvert. Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. It was your sweatpants that offended me. I wasn't wearing sweatpants then. You were wearing sweatpants. Was I? Yes, you were. Okay. All right. Five, You're actually was. wearing almost the same thing <laughs> you're wearing right now. Shut up. Why you got to call me out like that? <laughs> hey, whatever, whatever. I'll give whatever. you this, Josh. You're okay. consistent. Hey, you know what? Consistency is important. So, okay? but I did, I did want to um, point out to our listeners who maybe don't know. Yep. Josh, you've got some background in counseling. Yeah. And you've seen counseling not just in like the cute little like office where it's like, Oh, Hey, we're, we've had a few tiffs and you know, help sure. us work out. What is your, like give just a brief little snapshot of maybe the ranch, if that's okay, appropriate sure. to yeah. just share that. Like you, you've, you've been in the trenches when it comes to this stuff. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I grew up in a residential counseling ministry uh, called the, the Father's Ranch out in Eastern Washington. It's a uh, drug and alcohol uh, rehabilitation center used by um, uh, it is it is biblical counseling and it's uh, girls and women suffering from drug, alcohol addictions, eating disorders, self-harm, um, suicidal uh, tendencies, bad situations in general uh, come to the ranch. Uh, they get counseled. 
uh, for six months up to a year, biblical counseling. It's a residential program. So they actually live there. So I grew up um, since I was probably nine years old or 10 years old um, up until when I moved out here, I grew up with individuals that are, uh, that are in that lifestyle um, and saw some pretty gnarly, pretty gnarly stuff. Um, but, but out of that, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll close it with this out of that. I came away with a, what you could say an ironclad conviction <laughs> that you saw it only, actually transform. People. I saw what the gospel does yep. on the front line. Yep. I saw what scripture does. It wasn't me. It wasn't my parents. It wasn't the proud. It wasn't the, the quality of our, it was the word of God and the gospel. And if I come across KG on this, I really not trying to, I just, I've seen what works. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that works is the gospel. Yep. Um, so that's why we're going to have five parts on this. <laughs> well, I think it's, Josh, I think it's, it's really helpful for our listeners to know that this isn't just like, hey, I read a book on this. And, no, you know, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. It's like, no, you've seen, smelled, endured some rough stuff and you saw it on, on a frontline basis. So this is not just like theoretical, like, uh, ponderings or musing. This is actually something you've lived. Um, so it's, it's, I think it's the, the marriage of good theology and good practice together. Not just like, Hey, these are some ideas I have. And like, no, you've, you've actually been there. Um, and I think that's important to know just as they hear us talk through it. This is not just theoretical, but that no. you, um, uh, well in, in pastoral ministry, I am on the front lines of a lot of it on, uh, in your background with counseling, you've, definitely seen some gnarly stuff and you've seen some awesome transformations. Yeah. So I think it's important to uh, mention. Yeah. What do you got for a uh, closer for us today, man? So no Corian culture. Hallelujah. We got no Corian culture. Um, Yeah. Hallelujah. I do have something interesting. So Mm. kind of big headlines in the Uh, news this week, not Corona, not Corona, yeah. but, but, uh, uh, some, some very, very, uh, obscure, not very well-known world leader, um, was, was sick. Uh, some guy named Kim, um, and I like rocket the man. status that you rocket man, <laughs> Kim Jong-un, um, to all our listeners out there in North Korea, this is for you. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure <laughs> you the know, reformatory. You know, yeah. It's region. It it's region. But like, even now at the point of this recording, um, I don't know if he's dead or alive. Nobody knows. I don't think we'll ever know. It's just kind of, uh, it's just kind of up in the air. You don't think we'll ever know if that dude actually died? Dude, I bet you they are going to like preserve. They will hologram him. Dude, have you seen his sister? Yeah, she, she's going to take over, man. Dude, anyway. She's way worse than him. Anyway, so yeah, that's, that, that's probably true. But anyway. The, the the closing of this podcast is not to get political. The closing of this podcast, Daniel, I have a question for you. Libertarianism. And a, what? Yeah. <laughs> and it's a very important question. Ask it. If you had to fake your own death, how would okay. you do it? How would you do it? And where would you go? <laughs> we're, we're all going to have to do it someday, man. <laughs> fake my death. If you had to fake your own death, so like, how would you do it? Where would you go? Um, you know, so you'd want to get rid of the evidence. 
Because if they like, obviously, that is like, crucial. Yeah, you can't just right. disappear. And seeing how the evidence is basically you, my body. Yeah, that's that's you. I think uh, I think drowning in the ocean and uh, and hoping that they assume like that I became crab meat. Mm. Uh, good cover story. I like that. It's not bad. Um, where would I go? Yep. Like, and you have to go here for the rest of your life, man. You're starting a new life. Okay. It can, I, I'm torn. I'll just give you both. Okay. I'm either going to like homestead in Alaska. Okay. And like All live right. off the grid. That's solid. Or live in the highlands of Scotland and oh, like dude. wear plaid and a little, little cap and just like, just like smoke a pipe and just like <laughs> oh yeah, find Ron Swanson out there somewhere. <laughs> dude, that's my goal is just to go find Ronnie and, uh, and smoke pipes with him. There you go. And just live out my days in the highlands. Uh, there you go. There you go. All right. Well, yeah, I, I think the drowning is, is quality. Um, because Probably as crabs actually, cause yeah, they, they, they just eat sea bugs. They do. And they eat uh, dead people. Um, <laughs> I think the drowning is the best option. Another good option, fire or find somebody with a bunch of big cats Yes. <laughs> yeah. Bunch of tigers. <laughs> Real but now, yeah. So the problem is you got, you've got the rule, no body, no crime. Yeah. yeah. Right. So you got to find, you got to leave some sort of evidence. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to sacrifice a limb or a part of my body. Something. I got to leave some DNA, man. Teeth, teeth. That's what it's going to be. I'm going to, before I fake my death, I'm going to go to the dentist. I'm going to have my teeth, some choice teeth removed. I'm going to go out on a sailboat for my year long cruise around the world. I'm going to skirt next to the Bermuda Triangle. And we all know what happens to the Bermuda Triangle. I'm going to pretend I die. I'm going to like leave my teeth somewhere just for good measure and then i am <laughs> hop skipping and then jumping it to norway loftus norway where i will retire as mayor of my town like a little fishing village where you yep. eat lutefisk dude loftus norway is a little fishing village on the coast of norway it's the most beautiful place on earth and i will retire would, there would you eat lutefisk I would try it. I feel like if you're going to eat lutefisk anywhere, it's going to be like that fresh. Be That's fair. Yeah, it's fresh right off the water, crisp and cold. You know, lutefisk is like rotten fish, I, right? I though, grew so up it's... with uh, Norwegian Christmas parties. I know exactly what lutefisk is. Yeah. So the idea of fresh is. I would open a little like probably pastry shop. Let's go with that. I, I was just going to say pastries. Norwegian like, pastry. Open, I'm like, dude's going to talk about pastries. Krumkaga, Lefse. <laughs> All righty. That's the plan, man. Well, that's uh, that, that wasn't a morbid uh, ending to the show at all. Not at all. I feel like I need some biblical counseling after that topic. Well, you can follow can us you stay, on can all you stay sociable, on the <laughs> all sociable devices. Sociable devices, yeah, that's right. You here? How about? Um, <laughs> I'll take instant it. granules. Facebook, Facebook. Please do us a favor. We have Twitter. a. We have a contest out well it's not really a contest i need your questions next podcast yeah. we are asking daniel 
questions about culture. It's a custom quiz that I need questions for. If you can think of a question that most people know the answer to, but you don't think Daniel does, send it over. We're talking to you, Mr. Worley. Yeah, he already sent me like three or four. Oh. So he's he. I'm cutting him off because at this point it's going to be okay. Corey and then our producer Chan sent me like three thousand of them. So that's nice. be good. It, follow us on Patreon, please. It takes money to do this podcast. Send us a review on iTunes. Helps get this podcast out in front of more people. Thank you for joining us on this F of the Reformatory, and we'll see you next time for part two of biblical counseling. Out. Bye.